White Sox fans, Alyssa Bergamini, your in-game host for your Chicago White Sox, and you're watching the best podcast on the south side of Chicago, South Burbs Hitman. Make sure to tune in. You're listening to the Ballroom Network. The following program is intended for all audiences. Welcome to the South Burbs Hitmen Podcast with your hosts, Joe Mandel, Stephen Zim Zimmerman, Vinny Parisi, and Chris Gonzalez. We're bringing you the White Sox coverage you need from the perspective of true Southsiders. Grab your Comiskey dog with an ice cold beer and meet us at section 155. Everyone get on your feet for your South Burbs Hitmen. That ball hit deep. Way back. You can hit on the board. Yes. Jimenez in the air. Left field. He's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. Over the head of Jenks. Uribe charges close. Out. And the White Sox have won the World Series. Alexei. Yes. 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 A perfect game by Mark Burley and what an unbelievable, unbelievable play by Wayne First pitch starts now. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to South Burbs Hitmen. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mandel, and I'm joined by my White Sox brothers in arms. I'm talking Chris Gonzalez, Vinny Parisi. Gentlemen, before we bring on our special guest, how you guys feeling? It's been a total 180 since the last time we did a show. Yeah, absolutely. So since our last show, for those who don't know, we missed Labor Day because we were with our families just taking kind of a week off. And yeah, since that point in time when we last did our show, I went from thinking about doing blogs for Southside Showdown about the draft to talking about possibly making the playoffs. So it's been good. Gonzo, how are you feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, we we went from six games out to two and a half. Went from third place to second place. And uh, Sox are rolling with Cairo. And uh, let's just say that they've been winning series, and that's all they need to do down the stretch here. Three weeks to go, two and a half games back. Let's see what we can do here. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think we're all excited about where this team's going, at least right now. And we're more than excited to bring on our special guest tonight. Uh, He covers the White Sox for the Chicago Tribune, of course. Friend of the show and second-time guest, Lamont Pope. Lamont, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Hey, hey guys. Thanks for the invite. Glad to see you again. Welcome to our show. Thank you. We're so glad to have you on. And uh, I'm sure not only for us, but for you, it's been a a very welcome, uh, complete 180 for this team you know, Lamond, this team has really rallied together since LaRusa's medical incident. You know, I'm curious from your perspective, you know, what does the clubhouse feel like compared to earlier this season? And, you know, what has changed? I mean, it's been amazing to watch. Honestly, this is the team that we thought we would be seeing all year long, right? Uh, you know, yeah. the, the clutch hitting, the power, right? And particularly, I think 21 home runs. Uh, during this 13-game stretch, you know, all year long we've talked about you know needing for this team to to get more home runs, and so you're, you're seeing it uh, up and down the lineup. Uh, you know, you've had some surprise sparks. You know, a guy like 
uh, Romy Gonzalez, who, who spent a majority of the season and well, he's spent a, a good chunk of the season uh, sick and, and, and down in AAA. And so he, he gets healthy enough to come on up to the big leagues. And, uh, and Miguel has, you know, he, he said the other day, we told him, you know, you're, you're our guy. And so, so that just getting that, that little bit of confidence go, going with him. And you saw the, he, the way that he was able to produce out West as well. Um, you know, the pitching has been, starting pitching has been strong as, 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 you know, as been the case for most of the season um, and, and the bullpen as well. And so it's, it's been a situation where you're finally kind of seeing, Hey, this is the ball club that everyone sort of expected uh, from, from the jump, you know, blowout wins, dramatic come from behinds as well. Um, and so they're, they're starting to put it all together at the right time. You know, like, like you guys are saying, uh, coming down the stretch here, let's see if there's enough time to be able to uh, make up that little gap that they have with the Guardians. Laman, before I ask you my question, I just want to say thank you for joining our show. It's a pleasure to have you on. I'm a big fan of your work. Um, Dylan Cease, he's been magnificent this season. We all kind of came into the season with expectations like, okay, this is the year where if Dylan Cease is going to become a top top of the rotation type starter, it's going to be now, no more. And then he became better than all of us mostly thought. I mean, he's in the conversation for the Cy Young Award. A couple sites have him as the favorite now. Were you expecting him to be this good right away? I mean, we saw the sort of growth from year to year to year, and that's what you want to see from a from any major league pitch player, and not only, not only a pitcher, but you know he had those, those expectations coming on in. I remember being there for his uh, debut against the Tigers, um, and and just you know the excitement that was in the ballpark for that particular day, um, and just to sort of see him kind of grow, you know, take take some take some steps forward, take some steps back, you know, the, the working on the walks, uh, you know. Uh, things of that nature, but to kind of put it all together uh, this season has been phenomenal to watch. I mean, that, that slider, uh, you know, it's among the best pitches in all of baseball and, and that it's just been a devastating pitch that's been able, he's been able to kind of mow through lineup after lineup after lineup that game uh, Saturday night against the, the twins. I mean, it was, it was something else to be in the ballpark for that. You know, like he said, well, um, Sebi said in the third inning, that's when he started thinking no hitter. Uh, that, that's how that's that's how he sort of noticed how good of the, of the stuff that that Dylan had that night. Dylan said that about the like the sixth inning or so is when he started kind of kind of thinking about it from that perspective. From from the writer's perspective, after about the fifth inning, I'm like starting to, to put together some sentences. Uh, so so if something does happen, if 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 he did was able to complete no hitter, that we would have something right on the website right after that final out was recorded. And so, um, so yeah, you're, we're watching along and, and I I give them credit. Yeah. Some people were like, well, why didn't you go ahead and walk Luis in that, in that situation? You know, especially, you know, Korea's out of the ball game. And so, um, but, but, you know, uh, Miguel talked about it a little bit after the game as well. It was like, you know, my best against your best, let's go ahead and get this done. And in that situation, Luis was able to get the hit to break up uh, the no-hit bid. But then what, what also impressed me was coming back that next start against Oakland, there wasn't a hangover, right? You know, you could be a situation where it's like, man, I can't, you know, you, you throw just over 100 pitches, come this close to a no-hitter, um, and, and then and then you're facing a team in Oakland that's, you know, rebuilding, really young team. And from that standpoint, uh, you know, what's it going to look like that next time out? And that next time out, only allowing the three hits, six shutdown innings. Um, you know that, that's that's the sort of that's the kind of next level of that growth that you want to see from someone who's going to be your ace, a guy that can kind of uh, say start to start to start. All right, hey, you know I did this the last time, came within one out of a no hitter. 
now let's now let's focus in on this start and to be able to kind of do have that sort of success again and kind of build off that uh, was was just as impressive I thought uh, watching them Thursday night in Oakland. Lamond, um, you had the opportunity to discuss the new rule changes with Liam at the All Star game and wrote about it in a recent article of yours. Uh, could you elaborate upon it for our listeners? Yeah, yeah. When, when, I was, when we were out at the uh, All Star game uh, in Los Angeles, uh, every every well, this, this was my second All Star game uh, experience, and the day of the game, um, the commissioner and the players, uh, so Tony Clark and uh, Rob Menfred, they they speak to members of the uh, uh, BBWAA for about about a half hour each. Uh, Clark was a little bit more right, right around an hour or so. And one of the big topics of discussion uh, were the possibility of these of these rule changes that were just to, just uh, um, put into place or are going to be put in place for next season. Um, and as far as a pitch clock is involved, um, as far as uh, a little bit larger bases, and also uh, from the, from shifts perspective as well. And so you know after after we had the, done having the opportunity to talk to both of them. Um, you know, I know that there's no better person to kind of have those kind of conversations with uh, than Liam Hendricks. You know, he's he's always one of the guys that you that you go to for for a variety of baseball topics. You know, he's he's always on top of things. Um, and he said that you know he he dealt a little bit with the pitch clock uh, down in the minors, and so so he was a little you know so he thinks that there's gonna at that time he thought that you know maybe there's gonna be a little bit of tweaking that's gonna have to be involved. Um, yeah, you know, it'll be really inter- interesting to see. When it is in place, uh, particularly in like April, just how how the batters adjust, how the pitchers adjust, things from things from that nature. Because we actually actually had the chance to talk to uh, Jimmy Lambert on, yeah, you know, the, the day that everything was um, passed as well. And and Jimmy, you know, obviously he got about I think he said he got about six uh, opportunities uh, down in the minors uh, this year to, to kind of go on through that with that. And he was like, yeah, you know, down in the minors, I think it was uh, fourteen or maybe it was fifty. If, it was something along those, along those lines. And, and so he's like, yeah, I mean, there's, there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment period. Um, but you know, not only from the player's perspective, but also from major league baseball's perspective, just to see how that one kind of flies. Um, it'll be interesting just to see as far as like, you know, the, the shifts and, and the base is, is more of like a safety precaution from that standpoint. Uh, but you know, they, they want to be able to kind of, uh, you know, make some improvements or, or have it, little more hitter friendly from from that perspective when you talk about the shifts uh when that comes into play and so it'll just be really interesting just to see how the veterans adapt to it because obviously a lot of the younger players have grown have gone on through the minor league system uh experiencing some of these things like like the pitch clock whereas some whereas it's going to be a case where some of these guys that have you know the, the tenure veterans uh, uh, Lance Lynn or someone someone of that nature who's been in the big leagues uh, for a long, longer period of time. It would be a really interesting just to see how those type of players uh, adjust to some of these rules changes that are going to be happening next year. Yeah, I actually saw in one of those rule changes some about how they're going to try to limit pickoff moves to first, which yes, kind yes. of that's with how the rules of the game is for the umpires. That's going to be interesting on how they're going to uh, really get into that into the details of it. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the things that uh, Jimmy was asked. We talked, we asked Jimmy about that as well, and you know, and it's and it was a situation where he was like, "Look, yeah, this is another sort of advantage for the offense. Yeah, you, know, you have to because you you can't hold on to the ball 
you, know, you can't uh, vary your, your your delivery to the plate as far as your your timing is concerned because you only have you know I think it's 20 seconds with with the runner on first, and you can only throw over a couple times as well, and so that's going to give an advantage there to that runner on first base, you know, to try to, try to create more opportunities for stolen bases and things of that nature. And so, yeah, it, it's one of those things. You know, will will players, will teams, uh, you know, t- try to take advantage of those opportunities, be- or will it kind of still be that sort of station by station situation uh, when guys are on first base? Yeah, and Lamond, at the top of the show, you talked a little bit about Miguel Cairo. You know, obviously he's got this team in the groove right now um, with, ev- with everything that's going on with Tony. You know, is this Cairo's job to lose, the manager job, if, if Tony doesn't return next season? It'll be really interesting to see. I mean, I think we all have to see just how the rest of the season plays on out. I mean, this is still a team, you know, that when we entered the year had, you know, not, not only – not the division – aspirations but you know a possible world series contender right um yeah they 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 made back-to-back playoff appearances had won the first division title uh since 2008 last year um you you had uh your your, the expectation was if if these guys can stay healthy uh the lineup was going to be really tough to 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 get get through for an opposing pitcher and 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 with the rotation mostly back you know uh Michael is slipping on in there, uh, replacing Carlos from that perspective. Uh, you know, the, the, the sky was the limit for this ball club. Uh, you know, obviously, like last year, they've had to deal with some some injuries right, right off the bat uh, once again, but this time a little bit more to the pitching staff, you know, not having Lance for the early portion of the season, obviously losing uh, Garrett Crochet throughout the year as well. Um, you know, a big blow to, the, to that bullpen early on because, uh, you know, you're, you're expecting him to kind of sort of fill in that Michael – uh, spot he was going to you know not only have, do like those two innings but also maybe get that spot start every now and now and then um so 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 kind of talking about where they are right now um you know the way that they're playing is, is that, like i said the, the way that they should have been should everyone expected them to be playing all year long um it'll be really interesting just to see you know how things close on out if if they end up if they if they make the postseason um you know, I mean, that, that's obviously a, a boost and, and something that you can kind of take a look at at the job that uh, Miguel has done to even get them back into this position right now. Um, if, if they fall a little short, then that's going to have to be a conversation that's going to have to be had between uh, Rick and and Kenny and, and Jerry from that perspective as well. Um, you know, he, he has done uh, a, a really good job of here's you're talking you asked a little bit earlier about just sort of the, the mood in the clubhouse and things of that nature. Uh, one of the things that that has been noticeable is like you know Miguel's in in the clubhouse talking to you know talking to guys, uh, laughing with guys, things of that nature, kind of. And he, and he said, yeah, he said, well, you know what, I, yeah, I'm a former player. You know, I'm comfortable being in, in that in that locker room environment, uh, having those kind of conversations with guys. Um, you know, from from the X's and O's, from the from the strategies perspective, um, I don't I don't know if, if if much has really changed from from that perspective. You know, obviously he he still talks uh, uh, Tony when we had the chance to talk to Tony uh, yesterday in Oakland. Uh, he said that he talks to Miguel twice at least twice a day, um, and so so they, they have those kind of conversations. Uh, you know, kind of kind of going over things from that nature. But, but yeah, you know, we saw a little bit maybe. Couple more hit and hit and run opportunities. We've seen that kind of out of the gate. Um, the you know the pitching changes have pretty much I think been kind of kind of similar from that perspective. Um, what was the other? There, there was one one thing that really really stuck. You know, is is giving like a young guy like Romy 
because I love the opportunity. You know, I mean, you know, it might have been a situation where uh, Tony might have might have gone with a more uh, established player like a like a Josh or or a, or or Garcia when he got healthy. When when Mankata came back, you know, that was the question. Well, what's going to happen with with Romy? And the, and the fact that he's sort of is like playing the hot hand, sticking with the guy, you know, even though he might not have a you know, have the same pedigree as far as experience is concerned with, with some of the other guys, you know, he, he recognizes, Hey, this guy's on a little bit of a roll. Let me, let me kind of continue on with him. And so, so that's been one of the more interesting things I think uh, that Miguel has gone with it. And, and the guys have just sort of responded very well to all of it. Um, and we're seeing uh, what kind of ball club this can be uh, with him in charge. Lamond earlier, I asked you about Dylan Cease and the progression that he's made over the offseason into this year and a little bit of a different kind of start to their careers between Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech. Cease has mostly been healthy since coming over to the White Sox from the Cubs. Kopech dealt with some injuries, some of the stuff that kept him out off the field in 2020, and he kind of got eased back in in 2021 via the bullpen, but they have similar trajectories in my opinion, just based on pure arm talent. And I love the way each guy pitches a little bit different, but mostly reliant on, you know, heavy movement on fastballs and great breaking pitches and stuff like that. Do you foresee Michael taking a step either next year or maybe the year after like a Dylan sees after he makes a similar amount of starts in a full season and maybe staying healthy a little bit more in between, maybe not necessarily favorite for the Cy Young award, but a top frontline starter. Oh, I mean, I, I definitely think that that's, that's a possibility. I mean, here's someone, you know, I've been really impressed with just sort of the, uh, what he's been able to show uh, throughout the season as well. I mean, he, you know, he's had a number of outings. I, one of the ones that immediately comes to mind is uh, that, that game in Yankee Stadium, uh, you know, against you know, against that, that type of lineup uh, to, to go into Yankee Stadium and to be able to help them complete that doubleheader sweep that, that, that evening. But, you know, he's, he's had some success against the Dodgers, against the, the Twins. And so, so like some against those better, uh, you know, uh, top top of the line, top of the standing type of ball clubs. You know he he's really been able to perform uh, really well, and so it's it's been a year of adjustments. You know it was a situation where you know he knew entering the season, everyone kind of knew entering the season, uh, you know that that they're going to be watching his innings, things of that nature. You know just kind of going on through what a full type of season was going to be like for him, and and when we had the chance to talk to him right before he was. Uh, uh, reinstated from the injured list, he said that you know one of the things that he was kind of disappointed in uh, was the fact that he had to go on the AL after after this most recent uh, incident in, in Kansas City because you know he wanted to kind of see what a full season can be like. You know he wanted to be that guy that can you can rely on every fifth day to go on out on the mound, e- even though he knew that you know there, there might have been a, a time where they might have had to sit him down or or. Uh, or, or maybe stretch out, you know, his his time between starts because because they wanted to make sure that he was going to be as healthy and as, as ready to go in September as possible. Uh, uh, we asked if, well, is, did, you, did you consider this like a blessing in disguise from the standpoint of a, you get, you're able to kind of get those couple of uh, starts that you might have been that they might have had you in line to skip before, and he was like, oh, you know, I I want to be able to to go on through a full season. I want to be able to experience all that you have to experience to kind of prepare every fifth day to be ready to be that guy on the mound. So, so not only from the, um, the pitching ability that, that you, that you speak to there, Vinny, but, but also the mental mindset to kind of be able to be that guy that wants to have that ball every fifth day and be able to attack, you know, he, he has all those, all those tools and all, all those abilities. And so, yeah, I mean, he, he's someone that if, you know, like I said, if he can stay, stay healthy, um, you know, he's got a very good chance to be a top of the rotation type of guy.
Lamont, has uh, has there been a storyline this season you enjoyed to cover, and is there one, and or is there one looking forward to or hoping down the stretch here um, that you have left here? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, this year has, as you guys know, it's been the most, all. most most <laughs> yes. I mean, like it just seems like every single day that I come to the ballpark, um, you know, that yeah, the, 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 there's some sort of su- surprise in store. There's some something that's happening. Uh, yeah, I mean, the the way that uh, it, sort of taken back to, to last year when when the team had had all the numerous injuries uh, and to be able to overcome that from that standpoint. Yeah. I I kind of think of this year as, you know, this is what typically happens when you have a lot of your key guys get hurt. You know, uh, know, last year you you had guys like uh, your mean step up for that, for that first month and a half or so. You you, you had uh, Carlos, uh, you know, kind of, you had a pitching staff that was like lights out that kind of, you know, was able able to kind of build off of that and and win a lot of those close games this year. It's a situation where, you know, uh, this is what I think typically happens when when you when you're missing uh, Luis for a chunk, when you're missing Eloy for a chunk, when you're when you're missing you know Tim Tim's still out, and so you know that'll be really really interesting to see uh, if he's able to come on back or when he's able to come on back. Uh, you know what kind of role uh, do they do they move Elvis on over to second base, who doesn't have any experience at second base, uh, but it, who's been really uh, a valuable player since coming on over and helping on out as well. Um, yeah, so I think down the stretch, it's like we take a look at the schedule, um, you know, for, for Cleveland uh, to have the six games uh, to close the season out against Kansas City all at home. I mean, that's certainly an advantage, whereas the Sox have uh, three um, at Minnesota, three at San Diego, and then the three more at home against the Twins as well. Um, so so you kind of – I'm taking a look at, you know, obviously you have the um, – the makeup game on on Thursday coming up, but but I think you know it's going to be crucial that that series that when Cleveland comes to Chicago because uh, I, I think that's you know that's going to be the opportunity head to head to have that chance uh, to kind of to, because I mean, the way that Cleveland's playing right now has been lights out as well. You know that you know you, you expect them that you had to go up to Minnesota and 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 if you're a White Sox fan, you're thinking well you know. Maybe the Twins can you know take that series, or or, or maybe you know, at least get get a game, right? Uh, but but the way that Cleveland's been playing recently, a little bit of a, a little bit of a role at the right time as well, and so so the Sox haven't weren't able to make as much uh, ground during this weekend series and against the A's as they as they would have wanted to. So you know it's it's really intriguing just to see can these bats uh, keep on going the, the way that they've been going. Um, can this lineup continue to produce the way that it's that's that it's produced? Um, you know, here in the last you know 10, 12 games or so, um, and and can they you know in these big in these big moments in these big games can they can they finally be that consistent team um, that everyone expected? Because you know for for most of the season I've said the only thing that they've been consistent at has been being inconsistent, and so so the fact that they've been able to kind of finally show show you what what this ball club is all capable of it'll be really interesting just to see down the stretch can they keep that up yeah it's going to be a wild ride that's for sure um lamont speaking of things being consistent you know you talked last time you were on the show with us about how different it was covering the team during the pandemic i'm curious you know from a reporter standpoint are things mostly back to normal the way they used to be i know you started covering the team kind of in the middle of all the madness uh, are things kind of back to normal now 
Yeah, yeah, we're, I mean, we're, we're able to uh, do uh, our job for the for the most, you know, uh, able to get into the clubhouse before games and talk to guys, um, and then the locker rooms open after the games as well. And so, from that perspective, uh, you know, things are things are back, you know, back to normal. I mean, it's funny. Uh, people have asked, well, well, you know, what's the clubhouse like? It's from you know from from the you know, the, the team's perspective. Well, what, what's it like in the clubhouse? How does that compare to last year or how does that compare to 2020? And I'm like, well, yeah, I, honestly, like in 2020, we weren't, we weren't allowed on in because, because of the pandemic. And then last year as well, uh, the, the rules were that we weren't allowed on in. So this is, this is really the first time since 2019 that, that we've had the opportunity to actually be on in and see, uh, you know, see, see the guys in the clubhouse, the clubhouse and things of that nature. But, but from the, from the job perspective, uh, yeah, it, it feels like, uh, it, or it's felt like a, a a normal season, just kind of going through all of the um, day-to-day activities, having the chance to to chat with guys, and it, and it does make a big difference as far as not only um, in the stories that I'm able to write, uh, you know, having the opportunity to kind of uh, build uh, the relationships with the players to kind of have them say, hey, well, well, you know, if, if when when we go to ha- have one of those uh, tough conversations when someone you know doesn't doesn't do uh, has a bad game or things of that nature. They you know, they know that we're not coming at them from you know, they know what, what where we're coming at from from that perspective as well. And so uh, so it's so it's been a very good experience as far as just getting on back there, uh, having the chance to uh, to to work on a number of different stories as well, and, and just uh, kind of have the day to day basis of of what it's like to be uh, back on a beat once again. So. Aloy Jimenez, when I watch this guy, I see a guy who can be a legitimate game-changing bat. He gets injured a lot since 2020 ended, which he won a silver slugger in 2020. He's been up and down with injury. He tore his pec. He did this. He did that. This year, missed some time. In the second half of this season, he has numbers similar to Aaron Judge in almost every offensive category. Aaron Judge is about to win an MVP. Do you see Aloy? As a guy who, unless the package in return is insane, has to be borderline untradeable because of the impact he can have. Would you hold off on moving a guy like that based on what he can be if he stays healthy? I know that's a big if, it's a big but. There's a lot of factors that go into it, and I know nobody's untradeable really in any sport. But you know, in terms of as tradable as untradeable as possible, where do you see Aloy? He's someone who, like, you have to figure out, uh, first off, can he be an everyday left fielder, right? It's a situation where you know, he wants to play uh, left field when healthy. He wants to play left field as, as often as possible. You know, he, he's, he's said on numerous occasions that he, that he doesn't like being a designated hitter. He wants to be, he wants to be out in the outfield. Um, but it's a situation also where it's like, you know, now having this experience, particularly these last couple of weeks where, you know, he sort of has been limited to uh, DH and only and being able to succeed in that spot, you know, to, to you know, his, his, uh, obviously the, the game Wednesday against Seattle, uh, you know, they, they're down for nothing, hits the, Abreu beats the ball on out and then he hits the home run. Uh, and that, that sort of started that momentum shifting to a game that, that began for the Sox with uh, seven consecutive strikeouts. And so, you know, the, the impact that he has and his ability to, um, you know, change, change the game and just in a snap, you know, the, the game on uh, uh Friday night, I mean, you know, they, they didn't have a hit into the seventh. He gets the first hit of the game comes up in the ninth. They're still down three, nothing one out in the ninth inning. 
hits the home run to right field, and and that and that sparked the five run inning. And so so like his ability when he's at when he's at the plate to kind of be a game changer is is incredibly valuable. And you mentioned just the overall numbers uh, that that he's been able to to accomplished you know during this during this entire stretch and it's 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 been very impressive but i always i go back to can he play left field on a day in a day out basis you know that's something that the, the white Sox have to decide that's something that because you're already in a situation where you're um where you're loaded at, at designated you know you have you, have a, you already have enough designated hitters on this team uh you already have enough dhs on this roster um um, but yeah, so so you have to figure out. Hey, can 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 Eloy day in and day out? He wants to be that guy that wants to play left field day in and day out. You know, you've you've seen uh, bits and pieces of improvement when he when he is healthy enough to, to play left field. Um, but but can he be that guy that you want him to play left field day in and day out? Because that bat is so valuable. And, and that bat is so dangerous, and and, that, and, it's, and it's a game changer uh, when he's there in the lineup. Lamanda, with Tony in attendance on Sunday's game with the Stewart uh, ceremony that they had in Oakland, um, have you heard anything new about possibly Tony's potential return to the clubhouse and or any alternatives uh, for the time being? Yeah, you know, we, we asked uh, – him from from that perspective, and he, and he just said, you know, it's it all goes back to his doctors. What, whatever his doctors say, uh, whenever his doctors give him a, a clearance to go, uh, then then they'll have to have that kind of conversation from that standpoint. But he hasn't had the opportunity to, to get the clearance. He got the okay to be at uh, yesterday's event event with Dave Stewart. It was, oh, it was such a great great event, just to sort of as as a baseball fan, uh, you know, you, you got you had Ricky Henderson there. Uh, Dennis Eckersley there, uh, Reggie Jackson spoke for a little bit as well, and so so some some all time uh, Mark McGuire was there, so, so he had some all time greats uh, in attendance for that event. Um, and so for, from from Tony's perspective, you know, it, it, we also asked, hey, even you know, one way or the other, are you going to be, um, you know, around? You know, it, you know, like like on Sunday, he was up up watching the game from from a booth, and so. And he said, "Well, the big thing that he doesn't want to be is a distraction. You know, he he doesn't want to be a situation where uh, where his presence, you know, even if if he's not healthy enough, uh, sort of distracts the guys uh, from from doing their day in and day out basis and, and doing what they need to do uh, to have have the success. And so, so you know, it, it, he I think he recognizes that, and he, and he meant that you know, he said it. Um, and so, so those those are two the two keys. It's like you know, can he? Uh, he said he's getting." Better as far as just the, from the strength perspective on a day and, and a day in a day out basis, uh, making some 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 improvements there. Um, but will the doctors give him the okay to come on back? Um, and then, like I said, even if he's you know, in the situation like he is in right now, um, you know, the, will his presence? You know, he, like I said, he, he doesn't want to be someone who's going to take away from from what the team is accomplishing right or trying to attempt to accomplish uh, right now. Uh, and that's going out and winning some ball games. And uh, one last uh, aspect of my questioning for you on this interview, I might have to go on a little cease tangent here because I know you brought him up earlier, um, and you also wrote a recent article about him after his uh, follow performance from that one header and those six innings that you talked about. Um, but it, it looked like I think it was Daryl that 
tweeted about it, but it seems like the White Sox are sticking to the matchups this week and not moving it around, having Cease go on Thursday versus the Guardians and letting Geo go and allowing Cease to go in game two of the Rockies. But do you foresee them mixing and matching Cease as three weeks goes by based on the weekly matchups, or do you think he's just going to go as scheduled here on out every fifth day? Um, and also, um, going forward here, do you think next season and going forward that Cease is going to fall behind in his progression based off of the fact that that slider can't be as historic as it's been? Um, or do you just see him continuing to work on his arsenal, develop a third pitch to maybe make him from that ace arm to an elite arm in the game? Um, how do you see it going forward? Yeah, the your first question, um, it, was, it was really interesting. On Sunday, uh, we asked uh, Miguel um, you know, the, of the, about the possibility of, you know, kind of pushing them on back or, or making some sort of changes. And he said, well, that's a discussion that I have to have with, uh, with Ethan. That's a discussion that I have to have, uh, you know, with, with, with Rick as well. And so, uh, you know, he kind of, he left the door open a little bit, uh, for, for a possibility of that happening, but also it's a situation where you don't want to, uh, disrupt a guy, guy's rhythm, right? You know, if someone's used to going every, every fifth or fifth day and, and, you, and you start kind of playing with that and just just for the matchup you know what's what's the uh, the benefit of having that sort of like you know that matchup that you would think would be a marquee matchup between you know say it's Cleveland or say it's Minnesota or, or something like nature when the guy you know has that extra day and he's not as sharp as he as he normally would be yeah I think that the, the big thing for the Sox right now and, and we all know this is you got to win right you know it doesn't matter if it's yeah, it, 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 obviously a win against Cleveland is like twofold, but 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 it's a situation where you, you can't be you can't uh, think about well possibly uh, giving up a game against the Rockies or something of that nature because because you want to save someone for uh, that that following series or that following day or things of that nature. And so so I think you know, the, the the key is you know what's what's Dylan most comfortable with uh, you know you know if if he's if he's yeah, wants to stay in that sort of rhythm and rotation of, of you know every fifth day. Then I think that's the, the route that you have to go with. Um, and and if it's a situation where um, because then because you're not only mess, you know you're not only kind of disrupting uh, Dylan's day to day plans you know lead on up to that particular start, but it's also whoever they shuffle on in instead of him. Or, and so you're kind of you know kind of. Uh, trying to juggle all the rest of the rotation, or, or you're adding in a, a, um, a Davis Martin or something for a starting thing of that nature, or something like that. Um, so, so that's the thing you have to kind of balance yourself with: is you know, is it worth um, getting that opportunity for Cease to, to go up against uh, the Guardians or, or something of that nature, as opposed to how will this um, kind of lay out the rest of the rotation and things of that nature? As far as just uh, his continued development. I mean, you know, as, as we talked about earlier, I mean, I, you know, the fact that he's been able to sort of take that next step year after year after year uh, gives me the confidence that uh, that even if the slider, and we've seen it, you know, uh, at times this season as as well, when when you know when it hasn't been as sharp as as it could be, uh, you know, he's been able to to make some sort of adjustments and then to get on through and put the team in a position to win. And so so you know, he's he's been able to show already, I think, you know, some a little bits and pieces of that 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 growth and that maturity to even if he doesn't have that uh, devastating lights out sort of uh, arsenal that he's able to kind of adjust and, and make things happen. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that he's someone who, uh, you know, can put himself in a position to, to kind of continue to be one of the, what he's, 
but he is this season uh, one of the best pitchers in, in all of baseball. Yeah, I think we're, we're all excited to see him go down and hopefully win a Cy Young. So it's going to be an exciting end of the season here, and hopefully it extends a little longer than that. But, Lamond, we cannot thank you enough for giving us so much of your time tonight. Um, thank you for coming on for the second time. We look forward to having you on again next season. But before we let you go, Lamond, uh, why don't you tell anyone if you have any articles coming up or anything you want to preview? And, of course, talk about some of your work at the Chicago Tribune. Oh, thank you very much. No, I mean, it, I'll be uh, just like the rest of us and just waiting to see as how this all plays on out. Um, it'll be very exciting just to see you know, the, the weekend, or the, obviously Thursday's game against uh, Cleveland. That'll be be watched, much watched for everybody as well. Um, and and just just sort of like to see how how everything plays on out as far as just you know, down the stretch here. I mean, uh, you know, it's going to be uh, – it's. Obviously, a lot different than last year, where, where the team had everything wrapped on up as they were getting ready for the postseason, and so so an, an exciting time from that perspective, as far as just uh, kind of seeing how this team uh, reacts in, in a pennant race type of situation, and so uh, look forward to uh, watching and reporting that on a day in a day out basis. Well, we appreciate it, Lamond. Everyone watching, make sure you give Lamond a follow on Twitter at Lamond Pope, and check out all of his amazing articles over at chicagotribune.com uh, he puts links to them on his twitter as well lamond we cannot thank you enough uh looking forward to your coverage the rest of the season and hopefully for a long postseason run uh lamond we can't thank you enough uh we will definitely be talking to you soon and good luck the rest of the season thanks guys really appreciate it have had a great time thank you Lamond. all right you too thank you lamond thanks mom all right guys lamond pope what an incredible guest uh, very, very excited to see what this team does the rest of the season. And uh, if you don't follow Lamond already, it's at the bottom of the screen. Go follow Lamond Pope on Twitter. Uh, he posts all his articles. It's great coverage of the team. Um, and can't thank him enough for giving us so much of his time. Lamond is just absolute class and uh, really covers the team with a lot of grace. So, uh, gentlemen, we got through – the Lamond interview, and now we can dive into this team that just did a complete 180. Uh, no game today, obviously, because Lamond wouldn't be here otherwise. But, you know, Vinny, what's your takeaway from this team's turnaround? Because I kind of have been rubbing my eyes lately, wondering if it's a dream, because it doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel real. They've been playing great baseball with Miguel Cairo. They've looked like the team that they were supposed to be all season long. My problem is... After what happened tonight with Cleveland, they lost 5-4 to the Los Angeles Angels, and they just swept the Minnesota Twins, and they took two out of three from Kansas City, and their final six games of the season are at Kansas or against Kansas City. I'm really, really hoping that it's not too little too late. It feels almost like they have to sweep them this weekend because that is the only way to ensure that they have the tiebreaker. A lot of people forget that game 163 is a thing of the past. It's gone. That does not exist anymore. If you tie with them, it's NFL-style tiebreakers. 
the only way the White Sox can have the tiebreaker with Cleveland. And I'm not trying to sound like Mr. Doom and Gloom. I love this too. I, I'm sorry. I almost tweeted. I have it saved in my draft. I love the 2022 Chicago White Sox question mark. Like at least they've been fun. At least they're competitive in, in the division on September 12th. That's something I think we counted it on Crosstown Crosstalk. They have only been in this situation five times. <laughs> Mr. Doom and Gloom. Uh, five times. Oh, five. 06, 08, 12, 20, 21, and 22 are the only times since like 2000 that the White Sox were in it this late in the year. It's a little sad, but it also makes me hate the 2022 White Sox a little less than I might have said I did in late July. But I, Cleveland, man, it's it's always Cleveland, the Guardians, yeah. and they're they're making me feel like. You took three out of three, four from the A's, and you lost half a game. You went five and two on that road trip and lost half a game in the division. Now that loss tonight has them three games out with 21 games to go. And one Cleveland has one game in hand. I want the White Sox to win, and I want the Guardians to lose. I really hope it happens. This weekend coming up is huge. I think all baseball fans across the land will be watching this stuff. It's like Braves-Mets. Right now, like the two teams at the top of a division just clawing at each other all season long. The Minnesota Twins, we kind of on this show, even though the White Sox were behind them, weren't really scared of them basically since July. I haven't been because Buxton can't stay healthy for a whole season. I know Correa is dipping out of there as soon as this season is over. At least that's my opinion. I think he's going to. Um, Their pitching has been better than I thought it was going to be this season. Same thing. Like, I don't know. I'm just not high on Minnesota right now. They could prove me wrong too. They're still in it just as much, but I want the White Sox to keep hitting home runs, keep looking like they're actually having fun playing the game again. Um, I like what I've seen from Eloy. Maybe Robert and Anderson come back healthy. That's obviously a big boost. I like what Andrews has done for this team. That's kind of my long winded rant of saying I'm optimistic about the White Sox. I'm not optimistic about Cleveland losing enough games to make me not say it was too little too late, but I, you know, this season has been so crazy all year long. Anyway, nothing would surprise me at this point. Anything can happen, but Vinny, I got, what did you call the Minnesota Vikings on put on, or I'm sorry, the Minnesota twins on put on your socks this morning. You called them, you said something that they were. Did I, did I call them the guppies? Cause that's stolen from Ozzy. No, no, they're not alive, but you said that they're, they're dead. They are dead. Yeah, they're dead in my I, opinion. I was waiting but, for you during that whole rant to say it. I had the gift pulled up and you didn't say it. I'm like, come <laughs> on, say it. Yeah, I mean, and put on your socks, it's a lot of emotional reaction because a lot of the times I just record it thinking about the previous game. But on South Burbs Hitman, I kind of try to be like level-headed. Channel, and think channel it back in. Yeah. A broad scope because the Minnesota Twins are not actually dead. Like in on this show, I like to say what I think is real. My opinion is that they're dead. But in reality, they're not. So that's right. There, anyone, anything can happen in this crazy division. We can all agree that division has been very underwhelming all year long. Now, magically, the Guardians are starting to win. But they're gonna. Something's gonna get. Something's got to give. There's been. It's been so much up and down all year. I'm with you, Vinny. I think we're on the right track, and we just gotta keep. It's a huge weekend. That's just not lose. Would you be shocked if an a, the AL Central winner wins a playoff series? Against no, Toronto not at all, actually. Or the Mariners, 
or uh, who's the third team? Oh, the Rays. Uh, the Rays I'd kind of be scared of if I were the White Sox. We but, could beat both the Mariners and uh, – what was the other team you just The said? Mariners and the Blue Jays. And I think the yeah. Guardians can too. I really think the Guardians can't. People are going to sleep on the AL Central winner. I'm not saying it's a lock that the AL Central winner is going to win a playoff series. They might get swept. But ah, the, the AL Central, yeah. it's low-key an entertaining division at minimum. We just took two out of three from the Mariners, so I mean, yes, can and happen. The, the Guardians, the Guardians have an outstanding pitching staff, and Jose Ramirez is one of the five best offensive players in the American League. He could change. We were talking about Eloy changing games. Jose Ramirez can do that. We've seen Josh Naylor hit random balls to Pluto. He either gets, he either gets out or hits it to Pluto. But you know, when you hit it to Pluto, all those runs come in and score, and they go on the scoreboard That's just right. the same. So I don't know. I, I'm the Guardians and the White Sox. Whoever comes out, I almost. I'm not going to say I'd root for the Guardians in a playoff series if they they ended up taking it over the White Sox, but I mean, this division's fun. They could be scary hot. Whoever whoever wins this division could be scary hot going to the playoffs. That's so, all it takes. So we have one game versus the Guardians on Thursday, and then the three game series is next week. Yeah, it's not this weekend. This weekend's the Tigers. So we right, we still got to win. Still a huge weekend. Got to sweep them. What week? Next week is the Guardians. We got one game. Yeah, it goes Guardians and then, yeah, the Guardians. Rockies, Guardians, Tigers. Yeah. Next week is the Guardians. So you have to, I mean, you you do have to beat them these four games in the next two weeks. Um, I mean, let's be honest. To win the tiebreaker. We can't really lose. (laughs) If we want to win the division, you can't lose. You can't lose like two in a row. You can't lose. You got to win series. Yeah, you got to win series. Yeah, there's 21 games here. Uh, we saw what can happen in one week already, and we've seen what we can, what we did in 2020. I think it was with that one week where we lost, or we lost the division that we had a good lead. So you just got to take a week to week. You got to win series and uh, just keep that momentum going. Um, you can't overlook the fact that their pitching rotation is banged up. They lost Plezak and they lost Savelli. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of nice to look at that way with their pitching rotation. I mean, besides Bieber, McKenzie's off and on, so not too worried about them. I could be a lot pessimistic about it, but just looking at what's going on on their side of it, I'm not too worried about it. Um, with how the momentum's going with the White Sox, we just have to uh, focus on the series at hand here and just keep winning series. And uh, so far, Cairo's been doing a good job with uh, the club right now. That's a perfect segue, Gonzo, because we usually talk about the manager's performance in a segment called the Roos's Locker, and the graphic video still says that. But this week, let's dive into Cairo's Clubhouse. Yeah, so obviously Miguel Cairo has been doing, I would say, an understatement very well since he took over. Uh, the offense is totally new. They are hitting bombs. They are being good teammates. I mean, I think a big part of it has to do with Elvis Andrews as well because that guy's just been on an absolute tear. But Miguel Cairo has been doing good with the pitching staff. He's been doing good with the bullpen. 
it's a little bit of everything. So, uh, Gonzo, we could start with you, but you know, thoughts on on Miguel Cairo right now and uh, the last week that that was. Yeah, so far, uh, Miguel is eight and four as a record for this season. Um, he's interesting because I like Tony. Tony's more so by the eye, and you know more so than the analytical side of the game. But then Cairo's kind of more so the opposite a little bit, where he's more analytical than the eye test. Um, which I'm really interested to see what Cairo is going to pick up from Tony because you, you've seen Tony's uh, pitching tree with uh, Matheny and Schilt, both great managers. Um, and Tony handpicked Cairo to be his bench coach. And now that he's taken over, we get a little taste of if maybe he's the guy for the long-term future or not. This is a great test for him. Um, no, I don't know how much of it we can put on him being the manager. Um, I still have to see a lot more from him. Um, I've seen a lot of kind of uh, toss-ups on bullpen management in some of those games. Um, but I know it's early on here, and I'm excited to see what he's got here down the stretch with uh, some of his tweak-ups he's going to do down the stretch here on a playoff run. Um, what I can say is I really enjoy his energy, and we don't get to see that from Tony with probably, you know, his age and demeanor. Um, but I'm really happy to see that energy side of it. And that probably has sparked those bats a little bit because I mean, face it. Well, with even when Tony was the manager, the Sox were one of the better things that they were doing was making contact granted it's singles and they're leading the league in hits. But at the same time, you have to realize that that is a positive thing because with contact there should come power so it's just a matter of time that those bats where the power comes out of it from the contact that they're making that they're making um and you love to see it because this is a team that was built on that the the sluggers and now that we're seeing that and you love to see a guy like elvis andrews being added to the clubhouse on and you know on off the field he just seems like a great guy great guy to be around and his play is uh, maybe you just need a new atmosphere, a new surroundings to get more out of him, out of himself than when he was with the Texas Rangers, and uh, maybe that sparked him. And uh, we love to see that little pop that he has and his his glove and fielding. It's it's uh, enlightening to see because uh, we were kind of worried there with what we were going to you know find yeah. for second base. Well, uh, Oakland cut him right, so oh shit, yeah, right, Vinny? Yeah, he was on Oakland, right, so yeah. I think I yeah, think part of what. What fired him up too? It really fired me up is seeing him hit that comeback double down the line against his old team. That had to feel good, man. That man seeing that play, I could see it in Elvis's eyes. He was like, "Yeah, take that." <laughs> I, I think that speaks more to what you said, Joe. Because like I, I remember, I remember him always messing with uh, Beltre on the Rangers, and I totally overlooked his A stint, which I guess a lot of people did because uh, you know Oakland hasn't been the same since when they faced us in that wild card. Um, series, so um, I'm definitely happy that we got the most out of him so far. Yeah, no doubt about it. And Vinny, you know, Miguel Cairo has changed his team way for the better, and I think the clubhouse, it just feels completely different watching the team. The, the dugout feels different. The pitchers look they like they feel different. I mean, Liam Hendricks, just looking at his body language from the last couple weeks to, to now, 
you know, it's drastically different. You know, do you give a lot of that credit to Miguel Cairo, or do you think it's these guys finally starting to come around, or a little bit of both? Um, a little bit of both. I think there's a lot to kind of dissect on what's going on with the White Sox over the last week and a half. I still stick by my mantra that in the history of the sport, Tony La Russa is one of the greatest managers who ever lived. Okay. And I've always thought that I remember when he was with the Cardinals and, you know, he was tormenting the Cubs for all those years. It was, it was brilliant to watch. I mean, I've always become a part-time Cardinals fan, as I put on Twitter all the time. I loved Tony La Russa back in the day when he was hired by the White Sox. I didn't see it as a fit. He never stayed as a fit in my brain. And, you know, there were managerial decisions to pick apart here and there. You could pick apart every manager in Major League Baseball if you really want to go into the nitty-gritty. Hindsight is twenty twenty. with a lot of the decisions that are made across baseball. What I've seen with the White Sox with Miguel Cairo just kind of drives my point a little bit. They've made comments about the clubhouse being different. You've seen the clubhouse act different. And, you know, it's honestly just one of those things like, you can't go back now. I mean, they probably will at the end of the season if Tony's doctors clear him. And I, I'm I'm rooting for it in a weird way because at the end of the day, all I really care about is fellow human human beings being healthy and safe and all. Like that's really all I care about at the end of the day in terms of that. Um, but in terms of baseball, I haven't liked Tony as a fit for this team since the beginning. Um, they found magic in a bottle last year, 193 games. This year it's been different struggles. And I do believe that some of the stuff based on what I've been told privately is what's gone on with Tony health-wise this season has affected his demeanor this season and and turn has affected the White Sox demeanor this season. That furthers my point that Jerry's an a-hole for making that move in the first place anyway, or the team and in general not making a change when it was so obviously needed. Um, it makes me wonder what would have happened if they would have did this change, maybe in May or at the All-Star break or something. But bygones be bygones. You're in the race now. You go out there and you play for the guy in front of you. You, If you're a player, you try to play for Tony in a weird way at the same time because it's also not his fault that he's 77 years old and needed a pacemaker for his heart, and that's the reason he wasn't that good of a fit for – you know, I've kind of shifted why I think Tony's not a fit for this team anymore just because now that it's clear there's more sure. – it's more transparent to me now, and – I wish Tony nothing but the best. I also wish Miguel Cairo nothing but the best. I don't think that his future as the manager of this team should be predicated on whether or not they make the playoffs. I'm not saying he should be hired no matter what, but if they don't make the playoffs, does the fact that when he took over at 63 and 68 going to be the main reason why? Yes, it is. You know, if they finish the season, whatever it is, 16 and seven in their final 30 games or whatever, or 25 games or whatever, and they miss the playoffs by two games, you're going to tell me Miguel Cairo doesn't deserve to be hired because they didn't make the playoffs? That's not his fault. It's the team starting 63 and 68 or whatever it was. So, you know, I, I do believe they should leave no stone unturned when it comes to replacing the new manager. The White Sox stay loyal to a fault for a lot of the reasons. I would like to see someone a little more vibrant, a little more young from outside the organization come in. You know, I'm going to write my articles for Southside Showdown suggesting guys like Paul Konerko and A.J. Pierzynski. That's to that's to get the debate going, the discussion going. Sure. My personal opinion is that they should really consider Miguel Cairo, of course. And, you know, nice, nice job by Tony to have a bench coach like that that could kind of step up. Reminds me of Alex Cora in a way. He was yes. the bench coach in Houston. Okay, and they kind of have similar demeanors in terms of how they – run their baseball team and pick a lineups and stuff like that. 
But I'm also, I hope for once in the organization's life, they don't pluck someone from the Cubs or pluck someone who was a part of their organization at one point or another. I like Miguel Cairo so far. I hope he gets them into the playoffs. Yeah. You know, I, <clears throat> I, I've seen enough from him to say, like, I, I would love to give him a shot. But I'm with you, Vinny. I think they got to do their due diligence here. You know, I'd, I'd be stunned if they didn't at least interview Joe Girardi. I know a lot of people a lot of people think that he's not a fit here. He's, he's ancient, too. But Girardi's got a different vibe. I mean, I'm not saying that he's the guy. I would just love that they at least talk to somebody else. You know, they, they have to do their due diligence here. And I know the season's not over, but – I think it's pretty obvious Tony won't be back. Uh, that was actually the first time I heard that it was a pacemaker. I, I know his heart it was a hard condition, um, but you know, hopefully Tony's okay because you know that's some serious stuff that we're talking about. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. Yeah, and um, I, think, I think for me the most disappointing thing is we really didn't get to see what Tony could have done with the health of this roster, with the continuity that should have been there at least that what Han envisioned in the continuity. And it's just unfortunate. Um, things could be a lot different if that was the case. Um, but it is what it is. Um, we just have to deal with what's in front of us now. And uh, I, re- I mean, I want to see, I do want to see Cairo finish the season out, but at the same time, I would like to see uh, Tony, if they do make the postseason, him get his shot to prove it um, with, with what he has in front of him here. Um, that's a guy that, with his playoff experience and his, especially that bullpen use, you know, and the way he uses his bullpen in the postseason, that's what um, I would trust more so with him than Cairo. Um, but regardless, I do want to see Cairo finish it off the regular season, and hopefully, we do see October. And uh, like I said, it'd be Tony's, you know, uh, I guess you could say it's his, uh, t- you know, to lose at that point for if he's going to return for 23 or not. Um, there's a lot of big questions to come this offseason. And regardless, this is exciting uh, for what's to come. For sure. And I think it's ironic that uh, the story of this White Sox season, the whole way around, manager and players, is health. Uh, I think that's just the irony is not lost on me. And Vinny, you had something to say, so I'll toss it right to you. Yeah, it, you're you're you were basically said exactly what I was gonna say. Like when it comes to talking about Tony Larusa now, I essentially don't care about anything baseball related when it comes to talking about him. Because like, what am I gonna critique Tony Larusa for putting Ruiz in a situation where I would have used Graveman when he just had a pacemaker put in his heart? Like I'm, I, you never want to come off as shallow either, just because of your baseball opinion. You know what I'm saying? Like, do I think Tony's the fit for this team baseball wise? No. Is it because of the health thing? Now I'm starting to think that that's possible. And this could have been something that he's been dealing with all season long from what I've heard. So, you know, you guys remember him falling asleep in the dugout a little bit, you know, like that, that's sometimes stuff that is predicated on your health and what goes on there. Um, I wish Tony nothing but the best. I do hope the White Sox make the right decision in terms of whoever precedes him, whether it be now next year or after 2023 the guys who came before tony were absolute duds ah i see what you did there and this week let's dive into this week's adam dud of the week you suck you suck suck stupid lousy no excuse what a 
dud. What a total, total dud. Yeah, there's quite a few nominees, but I'm going to go with one guy that especially irked me this week, and that's Kendall Graveman. Uh, he, did, he had a bad inning. I mean, he's not a bad player. He had a bad inning, and uh, he, he irked me enough to get my nomination of the Adam Dud. There's two other players that I'm sure you guys will talk about, or if you don't, I'll pull up the stats and make you talk about them. <laughs> but uh, Kendall Graveman, you know, rough inning. Uh, hopefully he can bounce back here this week in a big way. But, uh, Kendall, you get to be my Adam Dud of the week. Vinny, who you got for your Dud? I'm going to take my guy, Michael Kopech. I, I, you're coming back from an injury, you know, with the leg. It wasn't an arm injury. I, we would all sign up for leg injuries over arm injuries when it comes to someone like Michael Kopech if he's going to miss a start or two because of an IL stint. Um, the White Sox were able to win that game. So it wasn't put out of reach because of Kopech, but it felt it early. But that's been this White Sox team over the last couple of weeks. When they're down, they're not out. And I know Michael Kopech, what he can do is brilliant. And it's just a matter of becoming like a starter rather than just a thrower all the time. And I've seen it in Sparks as Lamond got to earlier in the show. And, you know, we'll see him. We'll see him this week. So I'm excited about Kopech long term. The rest of this season, though, I think there's a lot of development involved for him remaining. Yeah, I feel like he's taken a few steps back. I mean, throughout like the last month, month and a half of the season, obviously the injury didn't help, but uh, he started the season so hot and he's kind of fizzling out. I, I hope it's, you know, like you said, Vinny, he's got to develop a lot of different things. Arm strength, maybe not throwing quite as hard. Uh, lots of things Michael needs to work on. And, uh, of course, we, we love the talent he has. And uh, we wish him nothing but the best, especially as we try to make a run for the playoffs here. So, Michael, we hope you're healthy and have a good start next time out. But, uh, Gonzo, I'm sure you got a dud here for us. The The Stallion had a rough day the other day. Yes, he did, Mr. Johnny Cueto, who has had an absolute fantastic season as our essential fifth starter of our rotation that Han picked up, which was the best addition he's made. Um but yeah, he went two in or two innings. He went he went ten innings pitched uh, this past week. Thirteen at six earned runs, four walks. Um, that last start came in that game four versus the A's when we were going for the sweep. And uh, yeah, yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. Damn, with the Bears game, it just seems like it was longer because the it I, does so feel like three on, days ago. I felt like it was the with the win with the Bears that that it just tossed me off with what happened with the White Sox uh, yesterday, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, the offense was slow to start, but, uh, I mean, he did shut it down for an inning or so, and then the the offense battled back and tied it up, and then he just blew it with that inning following it and let the game wide open. And that's just something I did not see coming because when they had that lead at, I think it was 2-1, to one, um, like I, I thought he was going to hold on to it and he was just going to eat innings up and go deep in the game, and like he normally does, and – Hopefully we would have grabbed a dub, but uh, that was definitely not that, and quite so the opposite. Yeah. And um, they were just really unfortunate because that's again you, you want to sweep the A's, a less inferior team than um, than the Sox, and uh, that was unfortunate because uh, you could have swept them, and then yeah, you'd be two games back instead of three um, ultimately. But hey, there's always there's always room to gain here. Um, you're just happy that they take the series three out of one there and uh, 
got so got some momentum here coming home uh, to beat up on the Rockies, hopefully. Yeah, I think we'd all love that and get some wins here because we got to stack them when we're going trying to catch up with those Guardians. But you know, we had a couple duds this week, but we had more guys put it on the board. And let's take take a look at their their quality weeks in this week's put it on the board player of the week. And yeah, guys, I mean, quite a few players lit up the scoreboard in more ways than one. Uh, Vinny, we'll let you lead off here. Was there any particular player for you that really put it on the board for you this week? Vinny, you on mute, my friend. I didn't even click that. That was me bumping it. My bad. Um, I believe it is Eloy Jimenez. I touched on it with Lamond a little bit. In the second half of this season, he has offensive numbers, batting average, slugging percentage, total home runs, total walks, to Aaron Judge. Okay, Aaron Judge is right there with Shohei Otani for the American League Most Valuable Player. He's been unbelievable. Okay, he has power. He is clutch with the bat. And he's starting to look like the Eloy that won the Silver Slugger in 2020 and was one of the best offensive rookies in the American League back in 2019. So I think this guy's amazing. Okay, I always say, I go back to this. Wayne Gretzky was traded in his prime, right? Like, in the middle of having 200 point seasons, he was traded from the Edmonton Oilers to the Los Angeles uh, Kings. No player in sports is untradeable. You better get something damn good in return for Eloy Jimenez. If you trade him this off season, you better address the starting pitching by getting an elite starter back. You better address the second base problem by bringing somebody in like jazz Chisholm jr. Or something like that. And you better be damn sure that the DH going forward, whether it be Andrew Vaughn, Gavin Sheets, Jose Abreu, Yasmani Grandal, you better be damn sure that they're great because Eloy Jimenez is outstanding. I love the guy. Yeah, I just clobbered the ball this week, man. Over 500, three homers, six. I don't know why I put six earned runs. I think I made a typo there, but I had eight RBIs and, and one walk. You probably meant six <laughs> runs scored. Yes, it was supposed to be six runs scored. That's correct. <laughs> I mean, massive, massive week for Eloy. I mean, the RBI total is great. It's great to see him getting some runs. So uh, I'm with you, Vinny. I'm, I'm a big the fan team of in home runs probably, and he hasn't played for half the season. Yeah, that's really sad, but true. <laughs> Good, great week for Eloy, and uh, we'll talk about him in a minute. But, of course, that helped him. That helped someone win pick-to-click. But we'll talk about that here in a minute. But, Gonzo, why don't you talk about – your put it on the board player of the week. I'm going to have to go with uh, the new addition, Elvis Andrews. He went seven for 26, as Joe put on the screen here. He had 269, two home runs, seven ribbies, which I believe led the week uh, for the the offense there. Um, six he only got him by one, but close. He got him by one. Okay, three walks, one stolen base. Um, altogether, just a fa- fabulous player um, that we got there. Um, at the deadline there, or not the deadline, but after it, uh, with the waiver pickup with him. Um, but I'll give honorary mention honorary mentions to uh, both Rami Gonzalez, who had a nice hot uh, week there in Oakland, and then also uh, our boy Johan Mancada, who had a fantastic game there, went five for six in a multi home run game, two home runs there. 
Um, Eloy had a nice uh, game there, and you know, cooled off a little bit after that. But I know he had a he had a hit in the game prior to his multi homer game. So um, hopefully, we see more from Mancada as we uh, go down the stretch here. Yeah, if these bats stay hot. You got to watch out for this team. They're going to be super dangerous. And another guy you got to watch. I was going to say, if you are you going to say AJ Pollock because I know he's one of our best uh, performers in the second half um, from our offense, and that's a guy that uh, could be some depth here in, the, in next year as well with his player option. But yeah, uh, you know, I, I wasn't going to nice. say AJ Pollock, but you know, AJ Pollock is a guy who I don't have I don't have the stat pulled up, but he did go nine for twenty three this week. He had three ninety one. You know, he's getting on base. He's scoring runs. Scored five times. You know, his RBIs, he only had one RBI, but he's getting on base. He walked twice. This is why you traded for A.J. Pollock, to get you through a playoff run, to be a veteran presence in the dugout. Um, For that reason alone, I feel like we won the Kimbrell trade at this point. I know Vinny and I feel very similar about that. Um, I'm loving what I'm seeing from A.J. Pollock as a leader, and this clubhouse is really starting to gel. So a great call out, Andre mentioned, for A.J. Pollock. A great week. Um, another guy that's continuing to be red hot, and I don't think we have to tell anybody this, but my pick to click, I'm sorry, my put on the board player of the week still in cease. Again, six innings pitch, zero earned runs. Following up the one-hit game with a three-hit game, uh, nine strikeouts. He was just dominant against Oakland. Um, there's not much else to say. Dylan Cease has got to be – he's my favorite to win the Cy Young. I'm a little partial, but uh, he's been unbelievable. So if he can continue this run down the stretch, uh, we're going to have a Cy Young winner on the south side of Chicago, and, man, it's well-deserved right now. It just feels like he can't be beat. It feels like he's invincible, and I know that's kind of dangerous when you get this far in the season, but it's the only way you got to move forward if you're dealing Zeese. You, you have no other option. You have to be invincible if you want to win that Cy Young, and he's killing it, man. He really is. I have a theory. So everyone wants them to switch, Gio and Cease, and I'm kind of in – I get it. I totally get it right it makes sense geo's been their fifth starter this year uh cease is one of the best pitchers in the world you got the guardians the game they took from you with the rain out even though the field was clearly playable was a dylan cease game the grounds crew there did the guardians a little bit of a favor probably got slipped 20 under the table here go buy yourself a nice bottle of champagne with this call the game off um do the white Sox want dylan cease to win the cy young and so I have two theories on why they're not switching it. They want Cease to win the Cy Young. Hey, go carve up the Colorado Rockies. It'll be great. And two, the last time Dylan Cease rotated was his one bad start since May. Coming back from the Michael Kopech thing, they flipped things around a little bit mm-hmm. when they called up Davis Martin to make the start. Those are kind of my two theories on why they're not doing it. I could be wrong. I have no inside information on that. Uh, I'm not saying even that that's my opinion. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, you know, it's. I think it's a valid question, and I. I think right now, Vinny, I think I agree with you. I don't think they. I don't think they want to mess with it. I mean, Dylan Cease is being dominant wherever he pitches. The only time he wasn't dominant, like you said, is when they switch things up. So, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Gonzo probably feels differently, but Gonzo, what do you say? All right, my. This is just me throwing a dart at the board, but. I do feel like if Tony was the manager, he would have done the switch this week with the matchups. But on, the other, side, <laughs> on, on the other side of it, Cairo is more analytical. And if we had Eric on, which I know we're going to have Eric on next week, but 
he brought up something to check. Kind of frustrated me because, uh, well, I'll get to what he said here, and that's the uh, slash line versus with the Guardians, and their on-base percentage has been pretty high. Granted, in, in the two starts he's had, Cease is 2-0. and He had, a, uh, I believe, a six-inning outing and a five-and-two-thirds outing. Didn't give up any runs in those, but the slash line with on-base percentage was high. They did have, I think, nine hits and I think three walks in that sixth inning. And then I think it was three walks with, I want to say, seven hits or something like that. So there, there were men getting on base, um, but at the end of the day, he pitched out of it. Um, so on the analytical side of it, I think that's what Miguel is going with. And he feels like, you know, maybe you should just go with Giolito there. Because Gio has been a little bit bouncy. On, he's had three starts for Cleveland this season. Um, two good ones, one bad one. So I think he's going with the analytics on this side of it. Now, me personally, with when Eric brought that up, I completely disagree because I feel like you go with your best arm in the rotation, your ace who's proven it again and again, time in and time out this season. You roll with that guy. Um, but the stuff that he has, I don't care what the analytics say. I go with what the eye test says and that's uh, something that I would roll with. And um, again, I want to see C's face the best. I mean, when you doubted him, he didn't get the all-star vote. What do you do? He shut down both Minnesota and Cleveland. I believe it was Minnesota, but it was definitely Cleveland before the all-star game. And uh, yeah, I have no doubt in him. And uh, I I was really hoping that they he was going to switch the matchup uh, going into this week because I think he gives you the best chance to win that game. And then you can, you know, play it, the matchups down the stretch here to give your, your team the best opportunity to get to the postseason. Um, but Hey, we'll see how it works out here. No doubt about it, man. And you do a segment each week talking about the upcoming matchups and the week ahead. What was that segment called Gonzo? That segment is white Sox weekly. All right, buddy, take it away. What's going on this week with the White Sox? All right, everyone that's watching this or is going to listen to this later on the week here, stay with me because it's going to be a busy week, lots of traveling here. Um, Sox start the first two games of the week. It's a two-game home series versus the uh, Colorado Rockies. I know Zim. And real, real quick, Gonzo, before you get started on that, Vinny, who made this freaking schedule? They're going from the West Coast back home to play two games against a West coast team to travel back. I mean, I, I just don't understand what's going it, especially for people that work in the ballpark. And I know a lot of them, people are kind of annoyed that they're just two games. It's very strange. Yeah. I mean, think about how hard it is to make a schedule. You have to have 30 teams compatible with one another at stadiums yeah. that also hold soccer games, football games, concerts, and you just oh, have yeah, to make sure nuts. that all 30 teams are able to play at each place 81 times and then scattered based on their – I mean, the AL West is a wild place. I always say the Western teams in every sport have the hardest schedule because they travel the most. Like think about the Texas Rangers. The Texas Rangers are sneaky far from every single team in their division except for the Houston Astros, where the White Sox and Twins and Guardians, they're all kind of like right here in the Midwest. Like 
West Coast scheduling has to be the hardest thing in the world because you think about those plane rides for those teams and everything has to be scheduled like yeah, it's gonna you know, suck pretty in line and they all suck and it's hard for everyone with the West Coast. Whenever West Coast teams come east, they always seem to have an off day before and after. Like you know, so sorry to cut you off, Gonzo, but yeah, that that's kind of why I think. Yeah, and, and and real quick, you talk about time zone changes. I'm gonna talk, I'm gonna switch to a different sport for one second because I saw this. I don't know if you guys saw this in the NFL this season. The Pittsburgh Steelers never leave the Eastern time zone the entire season. That's just bonkers. Yeah, to me. the the Eastern teams in every sport, like the Metropolitan Division in hockey, the Devils, Rangers, Islanders, Flyers, Penguins, Capitals, Blue Jackets. And Carolina Hurricanes are all within like a bus ride of each other. But like the Dallas Stars, their closest geographical rival in the Central Division is the Nashville Predators, who are a three-hour flight north. And then the Chicago Blackhawks, St. Louis Blues, Arizona Coyotes, Minnesota Wild. The Eastern teams just have it made compared to the Western teams in sports. It's the truth. And Gonzo, we went on a bit of a tangent. But back to you to talk about the Colorado Rockies series. Yeah, and I know Zim's second favorite. The Rockies are coming into guaranteed rate field Tuesday and Wednesday. Game one on Tuesday is going to be Chad Call. Is it Call, Vinny? I know you're a man of uh, Call. Yeah, yes, you are correct. Um, I know that was a name that you brought up uh, at the deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going up against our boy, Moist Michael. And uh, here's a chance for uh, uh, Kopech to bounce back and the start versus Colorado at home. Um, game two, again, like we brought up, um, they're going to be sticking with Dylan Cease in game two versus the lefty, Kyle Freeland, who is a very, I'd say he's a very solid lefty um, that they have in that rotation. I know the numbers are fluctuated with pitching in Colorado, but he's got some uh, good repertoire to him, and uh, hopefully it's a softball that we can actually hit on and beat up, but uh, it's going to be a good matchup, I feel. Um, and that's a two-game stretch there, and then they go on the road to Cleveland. Uh, I think it's still progressive field, but uh, they go up against Cleveland for that rainout game on Thursday, and that matchup is going to be Tyler McKenzie versus uh, Lucas Giolito. Um, yeah, we'll see, uh, we'll see how Lucas does in that start. It's a very uh, important start for him. I know sure he's got is. a lot to a lot to prove here and to backtrack just a little bit, watch out for uh, CJ Cron from the Colorado Rockies. I'm just going to bring him up because he's got 28 bombs, 96 ribbies for the Colorado offense. And uh, so far for that Cleveland, I think Vinny brought him up, but recently, but Jose Ramirez, um, band 280, 26 home runs, 109 ribbies. That's a guy that can just carry your, your team um, both offensively, def- defensively. He's all around one of the best players in the game. Um, and that's just guy that we'll see what Cairo does. I'm interested to see what Cairo does um, with Jose Ramirez, um, how he's going to attack that situation in the game. It'll be interesting to see. And then um, after that important one game versus Cleveland, um, they do they go to Comerica and they have a three-game series versus the Tigers. Again, you need to beat the uh, Tigers. Very important. Every divisional game is going to be important down the stretch here. And no um, you have to, I, I say, to, I mean, two and one is nice, but I, you really need to push for a sweep. I know how tough those division games can be, but Detroit, you got to beat those teams and you got to take advantage of the opportunity and beat them. And uh, game one on Friday is going to be uh, Manning versus Lance Lynn. 
Lance Lynn. We didn't bring him up, but he's definitely put in your board player. He's been, he's been balling. Pitching well. He's been balling. That bearded bastard is balling on the mound, and he's on fire. You love to see it. Um, that's game one on Friday. Game two is going to be Alexander, the lefty, which we've seen um, recently this season, going up against Cueto. Hopefully Cueto bounces back. Um, maybe that was a fluke. Who knows? But I like what we can see out of Cueto, hopefully, in that second game. And then game three is going to be the second start this week for Moist Michael. If they, I'm not sure if they're going to limit the cap on him with innings here or if they're going to roll with him in two starts this week. I I like to see it. I mean, you just got to get momentum building for him um, down the stretch here and because uh, it's been rocky um, since for the second half here. Um, but he's going to go up against Rodriguez, um, also the lefty. So uh, I like what I'm seeing this week. Um, again, that Sunday, that that series finale there, it's a 9-10 game in the morning. So wake up early, Sox fans, and oh, watch. Oh, it's Peacock. That's right. Watch, it's on Peacock. Yeah, Practice watch that game. Baseball. Watch that uh, season finale. Um, hopefully the boys grab the series, each series this week. And uh, don't forget, Sunday's going to be big. Series finale versus Tigers. And then you have Sunday night football, uh, Packers week. So uh, hopefully it's going to be a great day for our uh, Chicago teams. So, um, And then for Detroit here, the most prominent hitter I want to go with in this lineup is probably going to be Javi Baez right now. 231 average, 12 more runs, 55 rib- ribbies. Not too scared Yeesh. about Javi, but Javi uh, – <laughs> He seems to hit a bomb every once in a while. Um, Against so us, too. Hopefully he can go cold in that series. So, Other than that, we got some picks to click to come. And uh, We do. And any finishing thoughts for you guys um, with what you uh, see coming up here? I just say we win every single one of those matchups you said. I think, I think that's what we have to do. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um, we talked – or Gonzo touched earlier on Cleveland's – pitching staff being injured. Well, no one feels sorry for Cleveland less than Detroit. So if you're the White Sox, you got to go out there and take advantage of it. You know, I would love to see them beat Cleveland, right? Like you have to beat Cleveland. Next weekend series is the big dog, but, you know, it'd be nice to get that win against them this year. Outside of that Cleveland game, though, you should be able to beat the Rockies on the road and you should be able to take care of business or at home, I'm, the Rockies are on the road. That's what I meant. The Rockies are bad on the road. They're good at home. Um, at Guaranteed Ray Field, they should be able to. And then the Tigers, you should be able to beat everywhere and anywhere. Um, it's hard to hit home runs there, which the White Sox have been winning some games with home runs and without home runs. Um, go there and play well. That's what you got to do. If, you, if the White Sox play well and Detroit plays well, the White Sox will win because they're a better team. That's right. I think we all – I do want to say with what Vinny brought up on the injury front, right now the Twins have a bad, uh, which, again, you can say maybe they're done. or I think they're done. I mean, they have to overcome not only the deficit no, not in the game. Or dead. Dead, my bad. It was dead. But Sorry. to go off of my point, don't throw me off my point here, Joe. Um off my point with the dead Twinkies here. Um, yeah, they got Jorge Polanco, Buxton, 
Kepler, and then their pitchers, they have Archer. I think Gray was tweaked up, but Paddock, who they tra uh, traded or signed, I can't remember, but he was, regardless, he was a great talent from San Diego. Um, he's injured. So, granted, we know all season our White Sox dealt with injuries, but far worse, but we don't feel bad about the Twins finally hitting that bug with that whole roster. So, they can complain all they want, make excuses, but we've dealt with that this season. We battled 500, and now we're still in it, still kicking. So, can't make excuses. You're either going to overcome them or you're just going to fall apart. And uh, regardless, we know what our boys have done, overcome, and hopefully they continue to show down the stretch who they are. Um, it's going to be exciting for sure. Yeah, and speaking of overcoming, Gonzo has overcome the competition and continues to dominate in the pick-to-click competition for the second season in a row. He picked Eloy Jimenez, who, as we know, had a – very nice week. Yeah, I worked on that one a lot. Um, Is it because the White Sox have gotten their 69th win and 69th loss since our last show? Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Eloy just dominated big time. So congratulations, Gonzo. You have one pick to click yet again. I uh, stopped tracking because you have probably almost a five-plus week lead. At the moment, so uh, you get first pick. Uh, Zim gets second because he had Mancata. But Gonzo, who are you going with? Man, do I just stomp on the throats of y'all and keep on winning, or do I give you y'all an opportunity? Um, I'm gonna make it interesting <laughs> <Wow>. here. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with someone who my man to your right on the screen, but my left um, loves. And it's going to be the moist Michael, Michael Kopech. Wow. A man that's got two starts projected this week. Um, I like to see what the man can do here as a starter in a rotation, hopefully a developing arm in our future that is going to continue to skyrocket and uh, be one of the arms we rely on in the future. But that's a guy that, um, again, he's starting – Tomorrow versus Colorado and the series finale likely versus the Tigers on Sunday. I like those starts and the matchups for him. And it's a big opportunity for him because uh, those are two two promising starts for him that could, uh, if he pitches well, goes deep in the game. Hopefully those are two wins, and uh, that's what we need. We need wins and uh, opportunities to win series, and he definitely has a great opportunity here to prove himself. Yes, he needs to prove himself for sure. And during your pick, our buddy Zim texts us his choice for pick to click. He's going to continue with the hot hand and ride with the hottest player on the team in Aloy Jimenez. So Zim's going to ride with Aloy this week. Vinny, who are you going to choose next? Um, the Chicago White Sox are back home. Um, he kind of got hot in terms of RBIs in the last game they played, but it's wasn't good enough. They lost not many RBIs for this guy, even though he's been hitting well on their hot streak. I need to see some home runs from him. This could be the week he breaks out in that department. I will take Jose Abreu. I do want to say, I hope Gonzo wins because I think of Michael Kopech very highly. And I believe playoff success is predicated on what he can do behind cease um, Lynn and Cueto, 
And then maybe Giolito, we'll see how he enters the playoffs. But Michael Kopech, they need him. I think of a rotation one day with Cease, Kopech, Crochet at the top of it. Like that could be really, really nasty. You sign a free agent or two, and you could have a really good rotation for a long time. Give me, I hope Michael Kopech wins, but I'll take Jose Abreu. If he don't win, I'll I'll be glad to win with Abreu. But we all win with put it on the board if it's not a battle of who sucked the least, like it was kind of at certain points in this season. So a lot this year. I love love the pick there for Jose to keep things hot and get some bombs this week, especially going home. I'm going to go with uh, the newcomer. I think I'm going to stick with Elvis Andrus. I think he's going to have a nice nice week, uh, continue the hot hand, and keep things chugging in Tim Anderson's place. Um, so to recap for everybody, I'm going with Elvis Andrus. Gonzo's going with Michael Kopech. Zim with Aloy Jimenez. And Vinny with Jose Abreu. All great choices. And if even two out of four of these guys go off this week, it's going to be a good weekend. So, um, I think we're in for a treat. So I'm looking forward to some White Sox baseball this week and kind of seeing where things go because, you know, it's finally good to have some exciting baseball to watch. Kind of gives you a renewed faith in uh, <laughs> in the team as a whole. So it's got me excited. But I have, at the end of the show, we do our, our little debate question or whatever you want to call it. And it's what we call our guaranteed take. Yeah, so this week's guaranteed take is pretty straightforward, but it's a question that I think a lot of people are going to be asking. And it's, you know, if this team makes the playoffs, how does it play out? Do we play? And then if we do play off, do we play in the first round? Do you guys, do you guys envision a little bit of a run? Do you think it being one and done? And who are we playing? Uh, Chris Gonzalez will let you start things off. Does this team make the playoffs? Do they make it past the first round? Or who do we play? Well, okay, so <laughs> I'm sticking to my guns. I've said it all season. They're going to make the playoffs as the division winner. I'm sticking to that. Right. I feel good down the stretch here. Um, I mean, first off, why should I turn around now? If <laughs> I've been feeling good about it this whole season, uh, regardless of manager and what they've gone through and injuries, everything else, you know, to tell you the circumstances, I thought that they had the talent to do it and they're certainly turning things around. And if they remain steady here, they might be that hot team that enters October and uh, it could be that Atlanta team maybe, or, you know, some of these other teams that were hot going to the postseason. I'm going to speak into existence perhaps, but uh, I like, uh, I like the Sox chances here. I like what they got going. I do think they're going to make the postseason, clinching the division. It's definitely going to go to that last week and those, the back half of that week. I'm sure a lot of important division games there, um, especially that Twinkie series at the end, where you know maybe that will put them over the top and clinch versus Cleveland. Um, who are they going to face? Who do I want them to face, and who are they going to face? I think they're going to face Toronto. I'd like them to go up against uh, Seattle. Um, I just, I think if they face Toronto in that first series, it, it's three home games. I'm pretty sure that's how that's going to roll out um, with how that 
I, actually, I think it won't re- – because I only picked – or I only want them to face Seattle because I don't want the Sox going to Toronto where they have to deal with the COVID guidelines um, with the players. Oh, good point. But I'm pretty sure they don't have to because I think that first series and the first round is going to be at the home – uh, the division winner of the you know of that home team, so I think it would be three games for the White Sox at home. So regardless of who they face, I feel good about if it's Toronto or Seattle. It's going to be one of the two for sure. Um, I still think it's Toronto um, with how that offense is clicking and the run differential. I'm gonna go with Toronto, um, but yeah, Seattle's right there. They're hot as well, so I think Seattle has the better pitching staff than Toronto. But for sure, Toronto is the better offense. Um, but again, Seattle is hot right now. So I'm going to stick with Toronto. And I do feel with how the matchups face up with each other, I have my own. I know we'll talk about it probably next week or so, of what a pitching rotation would be like this postseason. But I like with what the Sox have um, on, on paper, how they stack up against Toronto. I think they'll make it out of the first round and beat Toronto. Maybe that is the upset that ESPN would say it's an upset, but I don't think it would be. I don't overlook the Central. We've been saying it. Maybe with the Guardians you can because of their rotation. I don't think it's as strong, obviously, as the Sox are. And in the postseason, you got to go with pitching and defense. And uh, Sox definitely have the pitching upper hand there. So uh, I got to go with the White Sox um, get into the second round. And that's where I think they'll remain at. All right. Vinny Parisi, does this team, first off, do they make the playoffs? Who do we play, and how does the, the playoff run end? Am I allowed to say I don't know? I, I, I Yeah, you can. I just don't. I have no like opinion on it. It all comes down to the Guardian series. Do I think they will? Okay, fine, yes. I'll go yes. We've been on them all year long. I haven't watched 130-something games to come this far, and when they're finally good – say, no, I don't think they're going to make it. So I'm going to go with, yes, I think they're going to make it. Gonzo is correct. The division winners take precedent in home series. The Yankees and the Astros will have a bye, and then the White Sox will play whoever has the worst record amongst the three wild card teams. It will be one of Toronto or Seattle because I don't think Baltimore is going to make it, and I believe Tampa Bay, if they don't catch the Yankees, will be the top wild card team. So... My opinion is that the White Sox will make the playoffs, and if they were to match up against one of Seattle or Toronto, I do believe they can beat both of them. I agree. I think they could beat either if of those Baltimore guys. Baltimore in, that's a different story. For some freaking reason, the 2022 Baltimore Orioles have the Chicago White Sox number. They just do. They just do. Not saying I wouldn't pick the White Sox with a blind eye had that come. But I don't sure. think Baltimore is going to make it anyway. So, yeah, I'm with you. Um, you know, I I think we would match up well. I agree with you, Vinny, against the Mariners or the Blue Jays. But uh, man, I love what I've seen the last couple of weeks from this team. I just can't see them making the playoffs. I know it sounds terribly Debbie Downerish, but but these Cleveland Guardians have been playing so well, and we had a great road trip. And the, everyone's flying high. And we didn't really gain anything. And it's infuriating. And I think that's what's going to happen. We're going to end on a good note. But we're not going to do enough. It's too little too late, like Vinny said earlier. So I'm going to be the Debbie Downer of the group. And I'm going to say that they're not going to make the playoffs. Um, 
I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think it's going to happen. I'm, yeah. I'm, I was leaning your way. I just can't force myself to say it. Last 10 games, Cleveland 6-4, and four, Sox are 7-3. and three. So, uh, Sox have Exactly, been, my point. <laughs> Sox have been doing better. Um, again, 21 games left, three-game lead. I've seen, I've seen things happen in less games, so I'm not too worried about where the game's back that they remain right now. I, I will say a couple weeks ago we said between 85 – and 87 wins is going to win this division. And that's going to come exactly to case. I think it's mm-hmm. probably going to be probably 87 wins to win this division. I I just, I, I, the reason I struggle, they went five and two on the Western road trip and lost a whole game in the standings. Uh, yeah. That is just, that is just why it's so hard to come back in this league. And, 10 games is equivalent of one in the NFL, right? Like in terms of math, in terms of math, not in terms of strength or skill or, you know, I'm talking just math in division standings. And man, if, if they make it, they, they gotta be a favorite in the series, right? Cause they're going into the playoffs hotter than anybody, right? Like 2019 nationals, 2021 Braves, 2018 Red Sox shit on everyone. But you get what I'm saying? Like they are going into the playoffs so hot if that's the case. So get in and I, I'll believe in you like for sure. If you come up just short, okay, let's, let's have a so, good year in 2023, right? I think it's just all perspective. I mean, yeah. So going into today, Cleveland had a game on you and they just played that game on you. So now it's even. So, yeah, you lost the game, but technically from the past week, you gained three games in the standings. So That's true. I think they have one more in hand still, though. Yeah, I, I'm, it's hard because I looked at the standings. I'm not sure if it, I'm if bad they at did, if they did gain the game or not. And well, I mean, you, you know, like the game that they had on you, I thought they just played it today. I could be wrong. I got to look at the total games played. But, um, yeah, again. You lose a game from not playing today, but you gain three from last week to this week. You got to go week to week here. Again, three weeks left. A lot can happen here. And uh, don't get too uh, discouraged with how the standings look. A lot can happen in a week. And uh, it's going to be interesting. But you for sure you for sure have to win those four games. Uh, yeah, and I fully agree with you. I think a lot can happen. I just, I, I just think it's – Man, it's just too late, I think. But I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope they just win. I hope they go undefeated the rest of the year. How about that? If they go <laughs> yeah, undefeated the rest of the year, they'll have 93 wins just like last year. Let's just say <laughs> you have wow. you have more. Con- yeah, I think yeah. If they did win 21, get if they won 21, no, they would have the same. Yeah, you're right. But uh, yeah, you have control if you sweep them, but you're having to hope a lot of luck if you lose a game or two versus them in the in the series that's left you you have more control over the situation if you you know you beat them in those four games make it a lot harder on them um but anything can happen even with you know you gotta play you gotta play with what you have in your schedule and uh you know i'm sure they can't overlook anybody on theirs uh, i know they have a series versus the rays as well so it's gonna be uh it's gonna be interesting down the stretch here um 
it's going to be fun. And I, I think the Angels can give them some problems even this weekend. So, I mean, today's game was a one-run game. So it's it's going to be fun, fun baseball to watch here down the stretch. Yeah, I don't think any of us can deny that. It's going to be an exciting run. A lot to talk about here through the end of the season, so I'm excited about that. And we talked about a heck of a whole lot during the show. We had a dynamite guest in Lamond Pope, covers the White Sox for the Chicago Tribune. Give him a follow at Lamond Pope. He was an awesome guest. And we've reached the end of our show. We've gotten to the shout-out portion. But before we do, let's talk a little bit about what's coming up on the Barroom Network this week. There's just so much content. It's bear season. It's football season. Of course, tomorrow you have Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls. You have Greg Gabriel talking football. Vinny, you have a busy week coming up between Bardown Blackhawks, Crosstown Crosstalk. You anything anything specific coming up on your shows you want to talk about this week? Yeah, so Frank Mueller and I are going to start previewing the NHL season. It, started, it starts in one month from yesterday. Um, we're going to start. So there's four shows left before the start of the season. We are going to break down each division one a week and start talking fantasy hockey a little bit. And I also believe we will recap everything that went on in the NFL this week because the third period has been dedicated to football pretty much for the last six months of, you know, while football is going on, the third period is almost always dedicated to the NFL. And we cover that on the show a lot now too. So, you know, if you like football, if you like hockey, that's the show for you. And then I like to think of Crosstown Crosstalk as this show, but a little bit more broad. Like we include all MLB in it. And, you know, I'll be going on, going over for the third week in a row what's going on with Judge and Otani and, you know, all the fun stuff going on there. So I'm excited about what we got going on. It's It's been great. I mean, football's back. Baseball's getting real hot. We're in September now. August is over in terms of baseball, which, you know, that those are like the dog days. September's when the division races get nice and hot. And, you know, hockey's back soon. So we'll be with the three sports very, very soon. Yeah, we're very exciting times here, not only in all sports, but on the Barroom Network. Uh, we also have all tons of Bears coverage. You've got the Barfly Tailgate Show, Bear Football, uh, Bear Necessities. I mean, you name it, Dan and Aldo, they're all covering the Bears. You got fantasy football talk. I'm back with Adam Shaw talking fantasy football every Sunday morning as well after Mike North, the Barfly Tailgate Show. Then it's fantasy football goon right up the kickoff, getting you all the fantasy news you need. So tune in for that. And that's all the plugs I got for this week. Make sure you mash that subscribe button or follow us wherever you can. We appreciate it greatly. And we thank everyone in the chat room for joining us tonight. You guys have been a lively bunch. We appreciate you very much. And let's get to the shout-out portion. Chris Gonzalez, start things off for us. Yeah, first and foremost, I'm going to shout-out Lamont Pope, our guest. Um, yeah, like you said, Joe, round two. Um, I think I really like to see with our guests is when they come on multiple times here, we, we get to see that comfort, you know, settle them. Definitely. And settle them down and uh, – you can tell that Lamond was more relaxed than he was the first time. Um, I'm not, I don't know too much of it, you know, I don't know him too well yet, but I know how uh, uptight he seemed maybe in that first interview, but uh, you could definitely see him, him become more comfortable with us and uh, helps our interview go a lot smoother. And uh, I can't wait for more interviews with him. He's a fantastic, he has fantastic work as a beat writer and uh it just seems as his tweets and his writing goes, he 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 comes off as more unbiased in his writing, and uh, 
tells it to you straightforward and that's what I like to see in in his work and uh, he's fantastic um so again shout out to Lamont really great interview and led to a great show for us um I'll shout out my girlfriend Soraya who's my number one uh fan support out there she's my number one supporter in general and uh lately um I know in the past you know she might watch just the shout outs for her but uh now in recent weeks she's been watching the full the show in full which I don't know how she can listen to us talk for two hours um but it's surprises me um but uh, I know I know we were just getting her into baseball and our relationship and uh it's been growing on her and uh I'm just absolutely um in love with her and uh glad that uh she's able to watch this in detail in full and uh I know times were tough in recent times but it's uh it's a joy to uh, have a supporter like her on your side um and then I give one last shout out to the three of you and uh I know we're missing Zim, but uh, we've enjoyed a lot of season for the season two of the Helpers Hitman, a lot of disgust. And uh, I know we were all intertwined last week on our fantasy football and uh, the network having the fantasy football draft. That was a lot of fun. Um, just a lot more fun coming our way with uh, not only this show, but other shows to come. So uh, I'm excited here. We have... I know Eric coming on next week. I know we'll give him a shout out here. I know Joe will talk more about it um, for next show, but um, gotta give a shout out to Eric for uh, working with us as we've been um, <laughs> moving shows around with the holiday and also um, exciting uh, show coming next week with talking numbers and uh, you know we might have a surprise guest at the end of the season. So um, I'm excited here. It's news to me. I, I'm I'm interested for the surprise as well. So, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens there. I appreciate that, Gonzo, and Vinny. Before we get to your shout out, I I do have some good news for you. It seems like by the skull of your hair, you're gonna just make it from the guillotine chop. If you jinxed me, I swear. I am quitting this podcast. I am gone. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) I would never do that to you. I love all of three of you very, very much. But if you jinx me, I'm going to be very mad. I think KJ Hamler. Yeah, Hamler. um, And I have, uh, what's his name? Melvin Gordon, who's been kind of, he's been getting the secondary load of carries. But I really kind of just needed that. That's all I really needed to not be – I didn't want to get a near-death experience, which for those who don't know, that means you had the second lowest. But some moves are going to be made. Um, definitely, if you play fantasy football, of course, you know moves have to be made all season long and mistakes have to be corrected. I didn't think Gage would get zero points. I didn't think he'd go off and be Tom Brady's number one target, but I thought he might catch a pass, right? You know, and so mm-hmm. – We'll we'll see what happens there, but I hope I get to see week two. Last week, last year, I made it to week eleven, and so to be yeah. cut ten weeks prior to that this year would be very Don't devastating suck. to me. It's my fantasy favorite fantasy league by far. So hopefully, the Denver Broncos um, offense is able to, you know, help me out here. The Seattle Seahawks have been an impressive team for me tonight. They're one of the worst teams in the league in my opinion, but. They've been very impressive, impressive tonight. So shout out to them. Speaking of shout outs mm-hmm. and, you know, all my shout outs, there's a couple right off the bat. My girlfriend, Katie, 
who I love very much. She's my number one supporter always. You guys know what that's like. And, you know, it's an incredible feeling. So um, thank you, Katie, for everything. Uh, Mom, Dad, Joey, love you guys very much. I could not have a better support team from the minute I was born. So, well, I guess the minute Joey was born for him because he's a little pipsqueak young, youngin. But, um, you know, I love everybody very, very much. Thank you to everybody who's always there for me. Um, you guys, I don't say it enough. I love each and every one of you. No matter what, we're all White Sox fans and we want them to win. Um, when they do win, we're happy. When they lose, we're pissed off. Sometimes we take it out on each other. That's okay. That makes for great entertainment. I enjoy playing fantasy football it does. with each and every one of you. It's been a great time. And, you know, one thing, I always get a little sentimental. Maybe it's the romantic in me. I get a little sentimental mid-September, uh, all October about sports because, you know, sports from a young age, if you play sports from a young age, if you know what it's like to be ingrained in this life, you know, like it teaches you how to work together and be a good teammate. And you can't put that little puck in the net if you don't work together. If you're a one-man show, you got nothing. You know, you know, you're not going to go anywhere. If you try to play baseball without a pitcher, but you have a good offense, you're not going to go anywhere. Mike Trout and Otani are the two best players in the league, but they don't have a good team. So they go nowhere each and every year. And, you know, I think of that in terms of life, working on this podcast, what we do as a group for Put On Your Socks. We work as a team, and I highly encourage everybody, get your kids in sports. Do what you got to do to teach them how to be a good teammate, a leader, everything like that. I really, really enjoy everything that we do here at the Barroom Network covering sports. And, man, what a life. I love it, Vinny. And uh, to, to finish off your shout-outs, I do have to say your co-host for Bar Down has the top scoring team right now in the guillotine league. So, but if, if, if uh, Russell Wilson has a good drive here, I might overtake him for top score this week. Just saying. Yeah, no, no, no bragging whatsoever between you two. I haven't heard that from either of you at any point so far between now and, you know, when Frankie officially got that score that high and yeah. And that's why I think about this stuff in mid September or all October, the stuff I just said about team. Uh, three sports, four sports going on at the same time in America. I mean, God, it's the best time of year. I, it just the, the weather was kind of crispy today. Gonzo, I know, spare me of the San Diego talk. I get it. Yeah, nice weather, <laughs> you know. But here in Illinois, it was nice and crispy today, and you know that's going to keep up for a while. It's the best time of year. I can't even get this gift to go off now. There it goes. Oh. <laughs> last last week we had a we had a hurricane. Well, before the hurricane, we had a, a heat drought because usually it's like 70, 80 every mm -hmm. day. Yeah. But it was 102 on Saturday. And I'm working through this with my vest wow. and everything at the border. So it was 102 Saturday. It was 95 on Sunday and 90 on Saturday or Monday, which normally it's dry heat out here. But for some reason, the humidity followed me from the Midwest and uh, absolutely killed me during that drought. And then a hurricane comes, and I didn't, never thought I'd have to see a hurricane out here in San Diego, but hurricane came from the Hur south. Hurricane K, right? Yeah, Hurricane K, which I, usually, like I said, I'm not worried because like most of those hurricanes die in the valley coming up. But this one, the after effects hit. I mean, it was just like, to me, it felt like a thunderstorm from the Midwest, typical like thunderstorm. Yeah. Some high winds, some rain. Um, but that was that was kind of fun to see. But uh, yeah, it was kind of wild weather week for here in San Diego, and then now it cleared, and now we're at 80 degrees and uh, kind of smooth, kind of smooth, like crispy, with what you're saying, Vinny. 
Yeah. Yeah. I love hearing that. Like outside of, outside of what's it called? Like those little heat waves that you're describing. San Diego probably has the best overall climate in the entire United States of America because it's not like it's warm, but it's not like here when it's a hundred, it feels like it's a thousand. I I would love to live in San Diego for just a week. Yeah, and like people call that vacation, but (laughs) I love I love that dry heat, but like I felt that humidity lately, and they've been telling me that they normally don't have the humidity out here, so. Uh, that makes me happy because I hate I hate the humidity that you know we lived with in the Midwest and uh, but yeah I mean for the summer 70 80 uh, sunny every day I don't usually see a drizzle at all and uh-huh. even in the like winter out here it's like maybe high 50s as a low but 70 as a high like that's every day from what is our falls through spring so it's beautiful. It is a beautiful thing, and Vinny's happy moving Gordon up the middle for five yards. So, um, <laughs> so Russell Wilson's trying to trying trying to pull off this win for the Broncos. Um, we'll see what happens there. But I'll get to my shout outs, and we'll get out of here. We're almost at the two hour mark. As always, I'll shout out my beautiful wife Catherine, our baby girl Audrey. I love you too very very much, and our great Dane Maverick. He is just. The funniest dog in the world. So much personality. I love you both. I love all three of you. Of course, I want to shout out everyone on the show. Uh, Vinny, appreciate all the work and put on your socks. We do almost every day. Well, pretty much every day for a whole season, which is crazy when you think about it. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, Gonzo, appreciate you doing this every week with us and working around your crazy schedule and all that stuff. And it's always fun talking ball. And Steven Zimmerman, who couldn't be with us tonight, but uh, shout out, by the way, shout out to his uh, fiance, Brittany. It is her birthday today. I I know that uh, that's why Zim couldn't be here today. So happy, happy birthday, future Mrs. Zim. Hopefully you guys are uh, not watching the Broncos game because you are in Colorado, so you probably do have it on, but hopefully you're not watching it. (laughs) Happy, happy birthday to you. Uh, Of course, I want to shout out to – the whole barroom network as a whole, it's just been a dynamite week. You guys are all you hosts and uh, creative folks have been putting on amazing work all week long. So props to the whole network, although Gandia again, shout out to you. Although we know you recently lost your mom and uh, our thoughts and prayers are with you there and hopefully you're staying strong and we're all here for you. We thank you for giving us this platform every single week. And uh, you know, we just love the brothers. So on that note, um, let's, let's, Bring these White Sox back to the forefront. Let's see what they can do this week. Uh, have a big week against the Rockies, Guardians, Twins. I'm sorry, Tigers. And let's get out of here. And Gonzo's lifting a finger like he's got one more thing to say. Gonzo. Yeah, let's promote next week's guest, uh, Eric Wilson from Ray's Juke Joint. Um, he's yes. also, also one of the hosts for the spaces that Ray likes to run. Um, but yeah, his podcast, they just released their seventh episode today of raised you joint. Um, interesting talk usually. Um, but I'm glad to have him on the network next week. He's a big numbers guy and I've been looking for a number. I've been looking for a numbers guy from white Sox Twitter to join us to talk numbers and talk more on the analytical side of things and something that we usually don't talk too much about on here about, 
besides, you know, the typical statistics that we will talk about, you know, on our good and bad of the week, but, uh, we can go a little bit more in depth with some advanced statistics and, uh, analysis from a numbers guy and, and Eric. So should be, uh, oh. should be a fun week. Yeah. We're looking forward to having Eric on and, uh, we'll hopefully have some more scenarios to talk through numbers wise that he can help us with. Hopefully, um, it's for the better and not for the worse, but nonetheless, looking forward to next week's show, man, the season's coming to a wrap almost, but, uh, we still got lots of baseball to talk about, so stick with us. We are the South Burb Sitmen. So for those South Burb Sitmen, I'm Joe Mandel. That's Vinny, that's Vinny Parisi, and this is Chris Gonzalez. Steven Zimmerman's in the Death Star somewhere in the distance. Uh, but uh, let's go, White Sox. Let's win some games. We'll see you guys all back here, same time, same place, 8 p.m. Central next week. Let's go, White Sox. Let's just win some games. See you guys next week. Adios, muchachos.